I surrender, laying it all down. Here you have my heart, Lord. You have my life. I hold nothing back from you, my King, my Savior, my Lord. I want to hold nothing back. Speak into my heart. Speak into our lives and bring us close to you. Help us in this moment to have understanding. And how, Lord, as you speak understanding, how we might apply these things in our lives and how we might come closer to you and in the same way lead others to you. We pray all these things in your wonderful name, Lord Jesus. Amen. Do you want to be well? Do you want to be well? In John 5, 1 through 9, and then a few more verses added to that, we have the healing of the disabled man. And you have it up there on the screen. I'm going to read it just so we kind of focus in on what the Lord is inviting us into tonight. This man had laid there for 38 years. He waited for someone to help him move into the pool at Bethesda. These were a couple of pools that were sort of outside the the city gate. They were also an area where um, there had been healing, even among the, um, or at least thought to be healing, of the the Greek um, people, Roman people. um, And this was a place where um, someone said an angel would come and stir the pool. For many years, this was thought not to exist until in the 1960s, they dug it up. And that's often the things when we're looking at archaeology and places that are in the Bible, many people have doubted that they even existed, and this was just sort of a fable. But no, it was a real place, and it was part of the cisterns, the water, catching rainwater, and the processing of cleaning rain, of rainwater and making it usable. From John 5. After this, there was a Jewish festival, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In Jerusalem, near the Sheep Gate, there was a pool, which is called in Hebrew Bethesda, or it's a pool of of mercy or pity. It has five porticos, where there were several sick people lying. They were blind, lame, and paralyzed. There was a man who had been there in the same sick state for 38 years. Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had been there a long time already. Do you want to get well, he asked him. Well, sir, the sick man replied, I don't have anyone to put me into the pool when the water gets stirred up. While I'm on my way there, someone else gets down before me. Get up, said Jesus. Pick up your mattress and walk. And once the man was healed, he picked up his mattress and walked. The day all this happened was a Sabbath. So the Judeans confronted the man who had been healed. It's the Sabbath, they said. You shouldn't be carrying your mattress. Now, the first portion of this is important for us to consider because healing 
is something which the Bible speaks a great deal about. There are many, many words from the Bible for healing. Um, we're not going to talk about all of those. We're not going to really get into a lot of that because there's a lot of misnomers about healing. There's a lot of expectations of healing. There's a lot of discussion that needs to go around healing. In fact, if we were going to talk about healing, we'd do a whole series, six series of looking at the words specifically and looking at how those words are applied in those individual situations. But it's just enough to know that there are words from the Bible that talk specifically about healing. They're different words. From the Old Testament, Rapha. Um, one of the names of God is um, Jehovah Rapha, the one God who heals. And that's really important. That's a, the most important one to remember because it is God who heals. Now, everybody wants to have healing. Nobody wants to be sick. Nobody wants to have uh, limitations. Nobody wants to be laying for 38 years waiting for someone to help them. Uh, but when we look at that Old Testament word, that means heal, Rapha. Uh, Geha was another word. It means to cure or to protect. Uh, if you came tomorrow, I would do a children's uh, sermon that would talk a little bit about that. And we're using a Band-Aid um, because that's a sense of a Band-Aid to protect. We were going to hand out Band-Aids to everybody, but we didn't want everybody to start thinking that somehow God heals with a Band-Aid. He doesn't, when he heals, it isn't complete. We don't want to have an idea in our mind as believers that somehow God is patchworking our life. That if God heals, he heals. God purposes to do that. But there's, a, there's an aspect of the word, geha, that is a, a protection that God is part of healing. Uh, when, you're, when you're wounded, when you, um, when you have something that breaks the skin, is affected, you sometimes have to cover it. Sometimes you leave it open, but you, you medicate it, you protect it in some way. And then in the Greek, uh, therapoil, which is a word used very often. Um, these are always uh, referred to in Jesus' miracles of healing. Um, that's the word. Laomai is another word. It means a spiritual healing, or it means a curing of a, a bodily disease. So it's very, again, very specific. Diasotso is another word, and it means a thorough healing. And now those were used in various times in Scripture. And those have different implications when they are used. But in this setting, we see that there is an immediate healing. Now, there's no faith attached to this. And if you heard that, it was important you heard him ask, do you want to be healed? What was the man's response to it? It wasn't, yes, I want to. 38 years I've been laying here. Nobody's cared a fig about me. No, he didn't say that, did he? He had his own idea. He said, instead of answering directly to that question, he said, nobody has helped me. I'm here because nobody cares about me in the way that he almost made an excuse. He didn't answer the question. You know, when God asks us a question, he expects a straight answer. But very often, because of who we are, we don't want to tell him the truth. Now, does God already know what's in our head? 
Absolutely, there's nothing hidden from him. But we think in some way we'll give him a different answer because we're so consumed with ourself. That's sin. That's the sin nature. It focuses on ourselves. Jesus said to him, get up. Get up. It seems rather roughshod. You're laying there for 38 years, and he doesn't say, here, let me help you into the water. Let me help you up. He says, get up. And amazingly, instantly, that man had strength in his legs. Now, 38 years. Anybody here ever been sick and in bed for at least three days? Okay. What do you have to do when you've been laying prostrate? Do you not have to, the first day that you start to feel good, get up and sort of sit on the edge of the bed and sort of see if the, the room is going to stop swirling around? You do because the fluids in your body accommodate you, and now they have to reaccommodate you. And so this man did exactly what Jesus said. He got up, and Jesus had said, take your bed, pick it up, and that's exactly what he did. Everything in his body worked perfectly after 38 years of laying there. He now was able to walk, stand, move. His brain was, move, was telling his body what to do, and his body knew exactly what his brain was t- telling to do and could do it. Anybody here ever been injured and had to wear a cast or had a surgery or any of those kind of major things? Anybody have that happen? Yeah. What did you have to have after that cast came off? What did you have to have as a result of being incapacitated. Therapy? And did the therapy, they took you into the therapist, and they said, good, you're fine, go home, don't come back again. Right? No. Therapy went on for a while. This was instantaneous. Now, was there faith involved here? Did this man know who Jesus was? He did not, because later it said he went to the temple and he got criticized for carrying his bed, which was a no-no on the Sabbath. Now, the Ten Commandments identify that we are to keep the Sabbath holy, but they had overlaid on that commandment 37 other requirements and things not to do. Now, they might have been talking about something healthful and helpful in order that people would not to keep them from sinning, but they made it very, very difficult on the Sabbath to do anything as a result of that. And carrying your bed around was actually forbidden, and he was standing around the temple, which gave those um, leaders in, in the Jewish faith an opportunity to criticize him. And they ask him, who did this? I mean, would you not have thought their first question would have been, aren't you the guy that's been at that pool for 38 years? 
Wouldn't that be a normal question instead of, what are you walking around with your bed for? And when they asked him who had done this, he said, I don't know. You see, in that moment, he was healed. The first thing that I would have asked is, how is this happening? Who are you? But he didn't. And so later, Jesus had to come into the temple and say to him, which sounds a little strange at first, but has a reason. This is what he said when he was confronted by the Judeans. It's the Sabbath, they said. You shouldn't be carrying your mattress. Well, he replied, the man who cured me told me to pick up my mattress and walk. That was good. At least he had good hearing. He obeyed. Oh, really, they said. And who is that man? Who told you to pick it up and walk? But the man who'd been healed didn't know who it was. Jesus had gone away, and the place was crowded. After this, Jesus found the man in the temple. And Jesus said this. Look, he said, you're better again. Don't sin anymore, or something worse might happen to you. The man went off, told the Judeans that it was Jesus who had healed him. If we went into great depths about healing, sometimes there's teaching that says you are sick because you have sinned. Now, sometimes that is true in the Bible. Early Christians were dying early, and Paul had to write, it's because of your lifestyle. It's because of the things that you are doing that God is not intending anymore to be a part of your life. And whether it's lifestyle or it's sin, it refers to them as falling asleep. Now, does that mean different than dying in the biblical sense? It may have been that they were sick and fell asleep. They still had salvation, but God almost preserved them by taking them to himself early. Maybe if they'd continued their lifestyle, they would have fallen away from the faith that had been established in them. But here, Jesus is very strong with this individual saying, don't sin anymore. Now, you have the capacity to know something different because you laid for 38 years. What thoughts were going on in your head? It didn't say that he was out of his head. It's simply that his whole body was disabled. It didn't say that he couldn't think. It didn't say that he couldn't have examined all of this and understood the process of it. This was just pure grace, wasn't it? He didn't have to demonstrate anything. Many of the miracles that Jesus did had nothing to do with the believer's faith. God was just merciful and generous. And, and, the big and here is that Jesus was demonstrating who he was. Jehovah Rapha. The God who heals Now, when we know we go for medicine, we go for surgery, we go for therapy, all of those things are wonderful, and God has blessed us, and we should use them. We should use, you know, whatever therapy moves us to function better. But we know that not everybody is completely healed. People carry scars around. People carry limps around. People carry artificial limbs around. People carry life 
And not everybody has complete healing. You know, most of the prayers that we pray in this church that I've prayed here in the last six months all have to do with healing. Physical healing. I don't hear some, someone calling in and say, although that happens, but primarily people are saying cancer, surgery, liver problems, um, all kinds of uh, uh, physical uh, ailments. Pray for, surgery for, help them to recover, help them to deal with babies, children, adults. Most of our prayers here are all about physical healing. Now, we all know the story of Lazarus, don't we? He died, good friend of Jesus, brother of Mary and Martha. Three days later, he comes, and his sister says, if only you had been here, Jesus, he would have never died. And then it says Jesus wept as he stood at the tomb. And then in the next moment, he spoke a word, and he said, come out, Lazarus. Now, my wife went to the Holy Land, and at the Holy Land, they identify Lazarus' grave. And Lazarus was buried in a grave that made you walk downstairs. And when Lazarus was prepared for his death, he was wrapped up. Now, the devotion that they had at that gravesite of Lazarus said that literally when he was called out of the tomb by the Lord of life, he would have to float up those stairs because he couldn't walk. God defies even a closed system of what we get used to if he determines that it will be so. How does that make you feel? That God is that kind of a God who controls everything. And if he determines that it must be miraculous, it will be miraculous. Or if an answer is going to come, he will be in charge of that answer. And then what it says at that tomb of Lazarus, they stood there and Jesus gave them a command. He gave all the people standing there that had been grieving and mourning and were absolutely overwhelmed with what just happened. He said, unbind him. Unbind him. Be a part of his reintroduction back into life. Take off that wrapping because those are the wrappings of death. He now lives and restored him to his family and friends. When we think about that, we, we get excited because we know that Jesus is the Lord of life. He said, anybody who puts their trust in me, anybody who believes in me will never see death. And he meant it because he died and rose. He's the Lord. Uh, and the best healing is the life that he gives, abundant and free. But Lazarus had to lay down in the grave again because Lazarus is not walking around. One day we'll see Lazarus. One day, we will be in the presence of all of these people. Hopefully, the man from the pool of Bethesda, and we'll, have to ask, we'll get to ask him, what went on there at that pool for 38 years? What were you thinking? And how did you understand what was happening to you? What was it like? 
But maybe we won't have to ask him what it's like. Because you and I have access to the same God who speaks life and who raises the dead and who answers prayer and who loves us and considers far more than we could ever hope for or ask for and he gives us generously. We have access to that God right here in this moment, right here in this place. Are you a people who believe that? Because now we're talking about faith. We're not talking about just mercy and pity and God just doing an amazing grace work. We're talking about the availability for God to minister to you in this moment tonight, right now. I want you to watch something from Saddleback Church. Pastor Rick Warren, who you may be familiar with, talking with his worship leader and the story of the song Healing Grace. You know, Rick, you once wrote a song years ago, uh, Healing Grace, we all know this song, and there's a line in there that I've never forgot that you used, I can see that there are good things only suffering can bring. So there's got to be a story behind that. Well, uh, there is. Uh, many, many times I will go into Pastor Rick's library and I'll just like look through his books and just find these great quotes and things. <laughs> I was trying to I write I thought you some... got them all from my sermons. Yeah. <laughs> I thought, yeah. No. No. Books. A lot of them. Yeah. All right, a lot. Right. But um, I actually found that quote from A.W. Tozer. It's one of his books. And I was writing a song. I've been going through some things with my family. Matter of fact, my son Jordan has had, as many of you know, has had open heart surgery six times. And uh, this last time, it was August 10th. We were in the hospital for 24 days. So at the time I was writing that song, we were dealing with something through that. And uh, uh, there are times when you think this is just uh, a metaphor, but when you think your life is over, but then you find... When you give it to God and you trust God with that, you find that he's there, which I found over and over. And these things that Pastor Rick is talking to us now, one thing that when you do go through suffering and you do choose to trust God, you find that God's word is true. You find, oh, yeah, it really is true. It's one thing the to go. Promises are, the promises can be counted on. They are. And, yeah. and God does come through. Yeah. One thing that I found is, uh, well, we were in the hospital 24 days. This, this church body uh, prayed for our family. They fed my family while I was in the hospital uh, with Jordan they, for 24 days. You guys oh. took care of uh, one of your friends and pastors. Mm-hmm. And that was, uh, it, it's an amazing thing to be on the receiving end yeah. of something like, I, I, you know, well, a lot of times we're up here, we're giving and right, things right. like that, but to see you guys, that was huge. Another thing is, um, just being in the hospital and waiting, uh, there were so many complications in this particular surgery mm-hmm. that uh, you really, I really needed to rely on God's promises and His presence. There were there were times when um, felt lonely. I bet we felt lonely. Yeah. 
we felt unsure of what the next hour was going to bring. Yeah. And a lot of times we live life like we know what's going to happen today. We just assume everything's going to be great today. You're not expecting to get hit by a car or, right. you know, these big things. Right. So maybe you don't live your life like you should trust God. But in those moments where you have to, that's when you have the opportunity to know how good God is in a very, very real way. So I'd say that, that was a big thing that I learned. Also, God's not a genie. A lot of times we pray and we just want that thing. And it's like we rub the lamp and then he's supposed to perform these things for us. There were many, I, I met a handful of, of parents that were literally, they walked out of the hospital without their, their children. Mm. They passed away. It's not about that. What it is about is that God is with you in those tough times and that you don't have to worry about what's around the bend. You can trust God that when you get around there, God's still going to be with you. The other thing that I learned, and we had a lot of laughs and things like that when, when, when uh, Jordan was coming off the anesthesia and stuff like <laughs> that, all of the medications, have a lot of fun yeah. with that. Um, met a lot of people. You know, when you have these experiences, we met nurses and things like that that were trying to figure out where the joy, where the hope yeah. was coming from. Yeah. And the, when people see my children and they see God in them, yeah. and when they see our family, it's, 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 it's even for people that don't believe in God, they just have to wonder, what is it? Yeah. And I just got to tell you, it's not me. It's, it's uh, probably Laura, but a lot God. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And, and, and so um, one thing I really admire about my son and something that he's gotten from this, Jordan, is that through these six surgeries, he has suffered a lot. Yeah. But he's also seen God come through a lot. Yep. And when he plays his guitar, yeah. he loves to play the blues. When he plays the blues, he plays like a guy that's been around a lot longer than 19 years. <laughs> well, you've got to hurt to play the blues. He, he, he really says it. Yeah, hey. I want us to sing that song, Healing Grace. Would you sing with us? Oh Lord, holy Lord, who took my despair and put joy in its place. Oh Lord, most holy Lord, thank you for your healing grace. Your grace is changing my life in so many ways when i thought my life was over you were waiting there for me now i can see that there are good things only suffering can bring oh lord holy lord who took my despair and put joy in its place. Oh Lord, most holy Lord, thank you for your healing grace. Your grace is changing my life in so Looking forward to the future, the work I have to do, knowing I'm forgiven and 
acceptable to you. That man of Bethesda went from despair to joy because of God's healing grace. Before he didn't know Jesus, after he did. And as we think tonight, as we come to communion, there may have been a time in our life when we didn't know Jesus, but tonight as you come, you come knowing the king of the universe, Jehovah Rapha, the one who heals has poured his healing grace over you and your life. That healing grace spills over to overflowing, and it spills over into the lives of the people that you know, that you're in the world with. That's what God's intentions really are, is that whatever healing, physical healing you have, and, of course, spiritual healing, that you recognize with joy, God's purpose in your life. I want to say to you tonight as you come to communion, this is a time for you to let go of those worries, those concerns, those struggles. Yes, maybe even a need for physical healing, but larger than that, because every one of us will be like Lazarus. We'll call an end to our life. But yet we who are alive in Christ, will see glory. We have been given the gift of life eternal and life abundant. So it's an opportunity for God to fill your life with joy. Are you full of joy tonight? Is it overflowing? Do you know this kind of saving grace? It is available to us right here and now. But God waits for us to surrender to let go of those things that stand in the way. It was in that moment that when Jesus asked him that question, do you want to be made well? And sometimes we resist God working in our lives with this healing grace. Don't resist him tonight. It's for you. God came for you. God came to this earth for mankind to seek and to save that which was lost. And I am one of those, one who was lost and would be lost for eternity if it hadn't been for God's saving grace. How wonderful that we have that invitation tonight. Let go. And let God, and may he be glorified, and may your life be filled, filled to overflowing 
with this life of Jehovah Rapha. May your life be healed of all of the hurt, of all of the things that have tied you down and limited you. And may you see with clear eyes in this place, in your life, in your communities, in this time, what God has prepared for you. Please pray with me. Lord, we realize often we carry around sickness. We carry around death. We carry around the trappings of hurt and struggle. We carry around trying to engage ourselves in whatever activity, whatever connections, whatever friendships. And we are people who need healing. And now you offer it to us. Help us not to resist. Help us not to blame someone else as this man did before he was healed. Help us not to be bound up for however long we may have laid by the pool hoping for something wonderful to happen. You're here. We don't have to wait for an angel. You're here. And you want to touch our lives. May we be open in body, mind, and soul to your healing grace. We pray all of this and give you thanks that we have the privilege of reflecting this life, this glory, this healing every day, every moment. You made it all possible, Jesus. We pray this in your name. Amen.